This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Evening, you're listening to Radio City Talk. It is time for a bit of Fight Disciples where we look in uh, to the boxing scene right here in this fantastic city of Liverpool and a little bit further afield on Merseyside. Uh, lots to talk about this week as we look back at a good and not so good weekend for our fighters and we'll be looking ahead as well to Friday night next generation show in Newcastle where Team Machine rolls in for his second professional bout. I'm of course referring to our favourite Anthony Fowler. Uh, first of all though my man we're going to have to uh, speak about should we do positive first? Definitely. Let's get the positive out of the way first Nicky Boy yep. because he was in the studio last week um, I know that you've labelled Paul Butler the babyface assassin but he's a young looking lad he's uh, Johnny <laughs> Quigley he come into the studio he spoke very highly. He's excited about getting back in there, straight back in at European title level. And I'm telling you now, if we see a better fight this year, I'll give you a tenner, mate. I'll give you a tenner because it was an absolute ding-dong with John O'Carroll. It was, yeah. It was a definitely fight of the year contender without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, as John said to us in the studio last week, he was, he, you know, studio last week, he, was, he wasn't going there to lose a zoo. He was going there to put on a bit of a show. And he did put on a show, but it was that second round, wasn't it? Adam, that second round cost them everything in the end. Yeah, well, it finished though, obviously in a, in a split decision. One thing that I will say off the back of it, mate, if you get put down twice in the same round, away from home, mm -hmm. it takes something special, doesn't it? To, to rally, get back up, gather your thoughts, and then put on a little bit of a show down the stretch and, and threaten to win it. I mean, yep. it, it could have gone either way. If he'd have won it, people wouldn't have argued, I don't think. I mean, a split decision, I think, was fair. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I even, I even put that on social media as well. To be honest with you, kind of like the judges on the, uh, the, the, sorry, the commentary team on Box Nation, I thought John Quigley did enough. You know, I thought he had to win the last three rounds and he had to win them well. But I, I scored him winning the last three rounds. I thought the, to bounce back, as you say, like he did after that disastrous second round where he touched down twice, to do that and to rally down a stretch. And, you know, because John O'Carroll's such a fit lad. Danny Vaughan had him in incredible shape. But for a counter-puncher like John Quigley, who's had one fight in two years, let's not forget, prior to this fight, for him to come back and to put on that kind of performance down in the championship rounds when it matters, for me, I thought he just nicked it. But you know what? As long as we got that split decision, I was kind of happy because I wanted the judges to be fair and to and to rule this fight what it was. And it was that close, wasn't it? Let's be fair. It was, it was razor close. Well, it's exactly what you just said. You can put that down now. The reason why he's lost that fight is because he touched down twice in that second round, you know? You've got to obviously knock a couple of points off there and that's where it didn't go his way because if you, if you take that round out of it, um, fight for fight, punch for punch, I thought he was absolutely bang on. And as you, as you said, when you've been out of the ring for such a long period of time, and we're talking about a kid last week that admitted to us that he, he enjoyed his Domino's pizza, didn't he? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? He ballooned up to 13 stone, which, by the way, for people listening to this show... I'm just over 13 stone, so it's not that fat, <laughs> all right? It's not that fat. Uh, but for a young lad like him and a small lad like him at this particular yeah. weight class, there's a lot of weight. So he shifted that, he's, he's blown off the ring rust, and he's had no real competition. His fight in October was against nobody. He should be blowing that kid away, and we've, yeah. he's gone straight back in at European level. For him to put in that type of performance kind of puts a bit of a smile on my face and gets me excited about what's coming next because as he continues, he's only going to get better. Yeah. Well, imagine what kind of performance he'd have put in if he'd have been a lot more active, if he was even yeah. sharper than he was. And let's face it, you know, he was beating John O'Carroll to the punch. That little step aside and that left hook uh, couldn't miss early on. It was just the fact that he got caught square twice 
and dropped. Yet he come back and won the third round, and then as we say, he won the big rounds down the uh, down the stretch as well. So you know that was the well, another thing that I put out on social media. I was like, and I tagged in Frank Warren, I tagged I tagged in Matthew Macklin, who's his management company. I tagged in Andy Ailing, who does a lot of work with Frank Warren, a matchmaker. And I just said, you guys have got to keep him busy now. That's what John Coogley needs. He needs dates because if he's got dates, he'll be far sharper. He'll be a lot fitter. And then let's see what he can do. But in, in return. In regards to this John O'Carroll fight, we've got to see a rematch, surely. Yeah. We've got to see a second fight. And whether that's next or whether it's in a year or, or even 18 months' time, I don't know whatever's best for these guys, but both of them came out the fight with so much, their reputation's 100% enhanced and so much respect for one another. that you know Styles make great fights. John O'Carroll, high pace, super fit, walky guy down. You've got John Quigley, the perfect slick counter-punch and switch hitter. You know, it was a match made in heaven and uh, you know it, it totally and utterly lived up to it. I love the fact that the referee insisted on a standard ovation. I think they'd have got a standard ovation anyway, but wouldn't we just love to see a second fight back here in Liverpool, maybe? Do you know something? Yeah, absolutely. But when it was the way in the, uh, the day before, I got a little bit excited because I anticipated that maybe Johnny might struggle with the weight, but he made it quite comfortably, yeah. absolutely easily. It was the, it was uh, uh, John O'Carroll that was uh, four ounce over, wasn't he? And he had to skip it off and, uh, and yep. get down. So I thought... If he can still be in there at six and seven, then down the stretch, as we found, I mean, you rightly said that. I mean, he won the last three rounds quite comfortably because the other fella looked a little bit too tired. And yeah. maybe that's what it was. That weight just caught up on him a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, you know, looking at him on the on fight night as well on a Saturday night and on the scales, you know, I know John O'Carroll and his team were uh, were taking some cheap shots on the scales, calling John fleshy and whatever else. But I, I agree with him. He did look like he had a little bit of a belly yeah. on him. So. That that opens the possibility of John Quigley going back to featherweight where he where he debuted at originally, and maybe doing something even better there, being the big guy down at featherweight. Imagine what he'd be capable of then. So massive future for John Quigley, as I say. The the, the main thing for him is he's just got to be kept busy. We need a manager or a promoter or someone a TV even to really get behind him and go right. Let's get this guy fights because he puts on a show and he's different from everybody else. This is what we were talking about last week. His style is very unique, but it's attractive. It's good to watch. Are you are you putting your hat in the ring there, mate? Are you looking for a new gig? Well, you know, you never know. Keep keep it <laughs> keep keep your options open. I, I can do a good job as a manager and a matchmaker. You know that. Entrepreneur Nick P <laughs> runs the podcast, runs the radio show. He's now managing fighters. That's, That's it. it. Just runs the boxing. I'll sort your fights out, lad. Where do you want to do it? Tesco Car Park. We'll yeah. get that on. No bother whatsoever. Back to Everton yeah. Park. That's it. Um, no, excited and hopefully, as you've just rightly said we'll get an announcement pretty soon on whether one, we're getting a rematch or two, Johnny Quigley's back in action. It'd be great to see him in Liverpool, you know what I mean? Definitely. I think it's important that for fighters like this, even though he's got a, a following, it's important that fighters like this make it at home, um, build those followings up at home and therefore maybe can kick on uh, and take those uh, those fans abroad because he's definitely won a lot of uh, Belfast natives over without any shadow of a doubt with his uh, with his fight at the weekend, mate. We wish him all the best. Um, listen, I'm going to jump a little bit here because I want I want to give the whole of the second section to uh, analysing uh, Paul Smith falling short uh, in Germany against Tyron Zuiger. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to jump forward to this Friday. I kind of like this idea of these next generation shows. Um, there's a couple of lads on there that I'm dead excited about. We spoke about Josh Kelly on our boxing show on a regular basis. For those that have never heard it, go to our website, fightdisciples.com. You can download a boxing show every single Wednesday 
where we preview world boxing. This one's just catering towards the Merseyside boxing scene, but if you're into your boxing properly, uh, get stuck into our website, fightdisciples.com. And one of our own, Anthony Fowler, is on that Next Generation show yep. uh, this weekend. Friday night boxing, mate, first of all. I absolutely love it. There's nothing better than getting in from work on a Friday thinking to yourself, oh, what's the wife going to have on here? Is it going to be Love Island? <laughs> is it going to be some nonsense? And then all of a sudden you've got a Brucey bonus out the back door with some Next Generation boxing. Yes, indeed. I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, played a blinder here, Eddie. And it, you know what? I hope it it, it becomes a, reg, a, a you know a regular thing, a once a month thing, because you know, prize fighter that used to be our Friday night boxing, and it used to be a little bit of fun. It was you know it was the, the beauty of prize fighter that you kind of it, it told a story and you could get behind somebody and follow them throughout the entire show. And I think this next gen thing is the same thing. I'm hoping they're going to build up the profiles of these people so you can really see them behind the scenes and they've got all kinds of footage going on, so you can really get behind these young prospects, these former England international and go, you know what, I'm going to follow this kid's entire career. But mm. that, but that's all this card is pretty much at the weekend. Obviously, Stewie Hall's on there, former world champion as well. But, you know, it's it's really like Josh Kelly's homecoming. He's, he's a big northeast lad. But the likes of uh, Simon Valley and Warren Bass there and, you know, Scott Fitzgerald, Bradley Saunders is on there making his comeback and everything. It's got that real flavour of the next generation coming through. And, breaking news, this has literally... Just been re- just been revealed in the last few minutes. Natasha Jonas has signed with Matchroom. She will debut on this card on Friday night. I'm being told now. Natasha will make her professional debut in Newcastle alongside Anthony Fowler. Look at that. That's hot. That's why. That's why you're the man of boxing, mate. That's why you're an entrepreneur. That's why you're taking <laughs> over. You I, I never little... made the match, but uh... no. I'm going to say you're probably getting a backhander somewhere, aren't you? Someone's probably lining your pocket. Um, great to obviously Tasha's been on our show. If you if you want to hear that interview, you're more than welcome to uh, get stuck into that. It's on our website, fightdisciples.com. Um, and of course, this weekend. Um, Anthony Fowler's on there. What are you expecting from Anthony? Because first time out, mate, there were a bit of controversy, let's be honest. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, he admitted himself. He was a little bit overexcited debuting at Bramall Lane. Fair enough. He comes out in a stadium and all that. Yep. Um, and then he chucks in a couple of cheeky digs out when, when the geezer was grounded. What are you expecting this time round? Are you expecting a little bit more cool, calm and collected? Yeah, 100%. It'll be a far more composed performance, certainly more relaxed. You know, he was so fired up last time just walking into the ring. I think Dave Caldwell will have him a lot more chilled this time. And and it, and it'll kind of it'll feel completely different to Anthony Fowler as well. You know, it'll be Natasha that has those same emotions that Anthony yeah. Fowler had on his first fight, and he'll be the one telling her, you know, it's fine, don't worry, everything, you know, nothing's changed. But she'll be the one that's overexcited. She'll be the one trying to blow her opponent away, whoever that may be. I expect Fowler to be a little bit more composed. But listen, he's the machine. You know, this guy is a finishing machine, and he will be going in there looking for a stoppage. At the moment, we don't have opponents. It's a bit, little bit early in the week, mm. but uh, I think Fowler will be looking for a finish. But I think we'll see a lot more composure in there, taking his time a bit more. One thing that I will say about Anthony Fowler, he is uh, he's a beast, not only in the ring, but he's a beast on Instagram, right? He was winding me up at the weekend because, one, his girlfriend is very, very attractive, and, two, he's sat there all smug in his back garden, uh, top off. with. The, he doesn't have a six-pack, this kid. He's got about a 24-pack. It's just muscle <laughs> on muscle on muscle. He's ripped to pieces. Yeah. Whoever his strength and conditioning is, that is an take advertisement. Yeah, that, take exactly, bow, that's, yeah. that's a serious advertisement, that, isn't it? If, yeah. you just want to, if you want a poster boy, just put Team Machine on the front there because he is, he is looking unreal. And 
he's not fully yet at the £154 weight category, is he? No. I mean, he explained to us that he's, he's gradually dropping down. This is a kid that has been used to fighting at middleweight in the amateurs, and he's dropping down just so therefore he can balloon back up on fight night. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is scheduled for 156 yep. on Friday night. He did yep. 158 at Bramall Lane, didn't he? Um, so he's gradually coming down into that £154 category. And I'll tell you something, Beefy, better watch out, man, because he's targeting him, <laughs> isn't he? That's who he's after. Let's be straight, man. I mean, I know they're all scousers together. They love yeah, each yeah. other and all that type of stuff, but this is business. And at the end of the day, in that, in that uh, super welterweight uh, category at this moment in time, the big boys are Liam Smith and Liam Williams. Anthony Fowler's an ambitious kid. He's got his eyes on them boys. He has, yeah. You know, it's a, I think he's a, he's two years away from that level. If I'm honest with you, eighteen months at the very least. But uh, but you know, you've got to set your sights high. And Anthony Fowler's only turned pro for one thing, and that's to become a world champion. And right now, those two guys are the uh, are the guys in the UK that are that are touching that world class. That you know, waiting for the world title belt. So. You know, it doesn't surprise me at all that Anthony's targeting them, but what a fight that would be, you know, yet another battle of the Mersey, you know, obviously with Anthony fo- formally fighting Callum in the amateurs to then fight Liam for a world title would be something a bit special, I'm sure, but he's got a long way to go just yet. Can I just ask as well, before we uh, talk about Natasha, just briefly, um, what is the obsession at this moment in time with Merseyside boxers and golf? Derry Matthews <laughs> yeah. started this off, and now every time I check out Callum Smith or Liam Smith, they're in, they're on the blooming golf course. These lads having a bit of a knock. That's yes, right. the weather's. Lo- Listen, it ruins a good walk, lads. Listen, <laughs> if you want to enjoy the sunshine, go sit in the boozer. I know that you've obviously got diets and stuff like that to uh, obviously chill, but go and enjoy a beer garden. There's no need to go and ruin a walk, whacking a blooming little tiny ball around the golf course. <laughs> I've been known to swing a bat every now oh, and again. I'm not too diabolical. I think it's diabolical. I think it's much better pastime for boxers than fishing or keeping pigeons. You know, I know Are you pa- having a go at Paul Smith now? Is that what you're doing? No, well, I know Paul keeps pigeons and he goes Andy fishing, fishes. actually. Andy I think, I think, Tony, right I think Tony Dodson keeps, keeps pigeons and fishes as well. God, two of the most boring pastimes in the world. But, you know, each to their own. Each to their own. Each to their own indeed, my man. Each to their own indeed. Uh, Quickly there, you touched upon Natasha. Uh, You give us a bit of an exclusive. This weekend is when she's going to be doing her thing on the next gen show. I mean, this is is a girl that lit up women's boxing. The first, she's the trailblazer. It didn't necessarily work out for her at London 2012. But now the rhetoric and now the narrative can start because it's surely the path at some point is going to be Katie Taylor because that's where she fell short at the London 2012 Games. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, she told us about this when she was in the studio with us. She said it was inevitable that was going to be drawn up. But right now, she's just concentrating on being the best Tasha Jonas she can be. Uh, We've heard that she's flying up at the gym with Joe Gallagher. She's really enjoying herself. It's like being back at the Rotunda, she says, with the Smith brothers and Paul Butler up there. You know, it's kind of nice familiar ground for her. Uh, She'll have a lot lot of nerves on Friday night, but there'll certainly Mm. be... A big crowd going up there as well because she's from a massive family, Tash, and they absolutely adore her and have, have, have followed her all over the world. So Newcastle will definitely be invaded by a, by a couple of Scouse chatterbangs on Friday night, let me <laughs> tell you. But uh, but yeah, she's just got to... Listen, it, we, as we talked about with Anthony Fowler a few weeks ago, just get it out the way. That That's all this is about for me. Your, your pro debut is just about getting it out the way, getting in there, dusting off the gum shield... 
getting the win on your record and then the real business starts then get rid of all the nerves everything else and Tasha will be nervous because she knows now that you know it's kind of a trend at the moment women's boxing isn't it everyone's falling over themselves to find yeah. the, to find the latest talent in female boxing and I know after speaking to Tasha both on on air and off air that she was inundated you know she told us didn't she that she was inundated with offers from everyone not just in the UK but obviously you know golden boy big brands in America as well really wanted to sign Tasha because they know that Casey Taylor's fight is down there is down the line but uh, she's chosen Matchroom I think it's a great decision obviously Matchroom with the Sky deal Matchroom with this whole next gen thing going on and I think she's now going to be part with Fowler of this next generation group of say a dozen former England internationals that Matchroom are going to parade around the country on Friday nights as they build up their records great place I know it's quite, know it's quite difficult for uh, female boxers to get female boxer uh, quality female boxers sparring because there's obviously limited numbers of uh, quality talent but in the gym that she's in at this moment in time she's sparring Paul Butler and I've heard that uh, over the last week or so she's been in there with Anthony Crawler so if you want quality sparring yep. there you go exactly exactly she's definitely in the right place and from what I've seen on Tasha's social media as well all the GB girls are getting together quite regularly to do a bit of sparring a bit of training together too I don't know whether it's happening at Gallagher's or it's happening down in Sheffield but I've seen Tasha and a few of the girls They'd all got back together for the work and you know, a training session, everything else, and that's great for her as well. It's great that women's boxing has just kind of exploded all at once because they're all being inundated with offers. So, uh, you know, in, in, in literally in two years' time, we, we could be we could be celebrating half a dozen world title, you know, world ranked girls from this country, which is incredible when you think female boxing has been completely and utterly off the radar in the UK for well, forever really. Mm. Uh, now, still to come on the show, as we concentrate on the Merseyside boxing scene, we're of course going to celebrate John Conti's MBE. Super, my friend, but that's coming up in the final part of the show. Next, I know we jumped the gun a little bit, but we're going to have to go to Germany. That's what we're going to have to do to look back at uh, Paul Smith's attempt at becoming a world champion at the weekend. You're listening to Radio City Talk. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, let's get stuck into the elephant in the room. Germany at the weekend. Paul Smith went in search of world title honours for the third time and came up short. I'm sure you watched it. We've all got an opinion on it. But what I would like to say is, first of all, thank you so much for him to come in, for coming in last week uh, and all your lovely comments about him and that interview. People have a, 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 a divisive opinion, I suppose, on Paul, um, away from Liverpool. I think Scousers follow their own, always support their own. However, away from Liverpool, there's, a, there's an opinion on Paul Smith, which some people's opinion softened slightly not totally I'm not saying that totally it softened but listening to him talk last week as an honest and open guy and you even admitted this yourself Nick when you were talking about him last week off the back of that interview you, you have a different perspective on him as a geezer and everybody from from my point of view anyway that I spoke to at the back end of last week were right behind him we're wishing him all the best we're, we're, we're hoping that he could pull it off at the third time of asking but sadly he came up short. Yeah, he did come up short, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think the worst thing about it as well, he come up short with a performance that, you know, it just kind of f- f- added fuel to the criticism, mm. uh, added fuel to the fire of the criticism, certainly online. And listen, I don't think any fighter should take uh, should take much uh, to heart of what people say online because we've all got our own opinions of what keyboard warriors, you know, most people that criticise fighters online aren't actually hardcore fans and are certainly not fans that buy tickets and go to events or most of the time know even how boxing works. Um, 
but still, it, it just kind of, you know, it, it added to what they'd all been saying that he, he, he didn't deserve the fight, that he was, uh, you know, he'd been handed it, handed an opportunity that, um, you know, other people deserved before him, everything else. Listen, he, he got the opportunity, he took the opportunity, but did he take it with both hands? I think that's the big criticism now. You know, obviously Paul's gone out there with tactics. They've they've drawn up a game plan, him and Joe Gallagher, and and, and they, you know, admitted afterwards that game plan was to take Zuger into the second half of the fight and then try and overwhelm him as he tires. But unfortunately, it was very evident from well, actually, to be honest, it was evident before the fight even begun because in the coverage on Sky, when they went backstage prior to the ring walks and Zuger was hitting mitts. He looked electric there. He looked so sharp. His hand speed was very, very impressive. And straight away, I thought, "Oh no, this is going to be this is going to be a tough one for Paul because this kid looks absolutely on point." And 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 to be honest, he started electric and he just didn't tire at all. And Paul just had Paul. He looked every age, every every inch his age. Unfortunately, in there, yeah. don't you don't you think? No, hundred. Listen, hundred percent, mate. I think um, the way that I an- analysed it with uh, a few pals on on Sunday that I called up with for a few beers that are into the into the boxing and what and listen to the podcast and what have you. Um, it's a case of time waits for no man at the end of the day, and I th- I'm convinced that three years ago, Paul Smith would have beaten Tyrone Zuger. Yeah. But over the last three years, maybe the level of opponent that he's been fighting and uh, and things like that, it's just necessarily it's just caught up with him a little bit. The yeah. guys not at the same level that he was at. It's very similar to how I talk about Wayne Rooney, I suppose. Yeah. Wayne Rooney, once upon a time an elite footballer, now, is he an elite footballer? I mean, that debates for a totally different uh, type of programme. But for me, Paul just came up short. Three years ago, I think he'd have beaten Zuga. Um, it wasn't his night of the weekend. I don't think it was for the lack of trying. I just don't think he had it. He just no. didn't... He did. And I think Zuger maybe surprised, not only him, but he definitely surprised me, mate. I've watched Zuger a couple of times and thought to myself... He's hundred percent the weakest of these champions, and I, yeah. and I still believe that in that in that super middleweight division, I still believe that De Gale beats him, Groves beats him, even Ramirez beats him. If you're looking at the guys underneath that, at Callum Smith, Callum Smith beats him. Though, so he's the weakest of the champions, but he surprised me a lot in this particular fight with his footwork and his mastery of distance. I thought he was always out of range, yeah. and Paul just couldn't shut that range down. I mean, he, he, if you watch it back, uh, um, hopefully people do. Well, maybe they won't. But if you if, if, if you if you watch it back, what happens is Zuiger, because he's it, the way that he gets out of range off the back of maybe throwing his jab and his cross and what have you. The way he got back out of range, Paul wanted to react to those shots as soon as he as soon as the kid landed. Paul was ready to come with an overhand right. He was ready for his trademark uh, left to the body. He was ready for it, but the kid was already he'd gone. Yeah, yeah. He, he he was out of range and he couldn't shut that down. One thing that I will say about Zuiger. Because later on in the fight, I definitely thought Paul tried to put his foot down at the end, and he did land a lot more in the eleventh and the twelfth. When he did, I thought he won the eleventh round. I had Paul yeah. win. That was the only round I scored for Paul was the eleventh. When I, I agree, I think I scored in two rounds. Um, third? In, did you give him the third after he won? Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I did. It was one yeah. early and then one one late. But what I will say is that when Paul landed, when Paul caught him, and this is what I, why I say Zoyga is probably the weakest of those champions, because he's the youngest and maybe a little bit more naive than the other guys that have been around the block a little bit more than him. When Paul did land, he instantly wanted to trade back. Yeah. And that's and, and that, for me, is a negative in a way. It's a case of you, you, you've been caught with one, 
if you because it's a macho thing and you're a young lad and you want to I want to I want to instill myself back on this fight you're prone then to be caught with the second and the third you know and I think if he does match up if he goes into the super tournament that uh, George Groves has got into or if he ends up fighting someone like a um, uh, a James DeGale yeah. I think he gets smashed to smithereens I really do I think he gets stopped as well at this stage of his career not, I'm not saying he's not going to get better because that's definitely what I saw against Paul Smith is most certainly an improvement than what I've seen him um, against for example Isaac Ekbo which I thought was his best previous performance to this one um, at, at the weekend so he's definitely growing into being a champion he's learning yeah. on the job very similar to AJ I suppose yeah. he's learning on the job but I think if he comes against a George Groves next he gets beat against George Groves well he's only he's only a young guy um, yeah, he, he, he's only 25 25 yeah like he's only 25 and they have confirmed he's going to go into this super middleweight super tournament which of course Groves is already in as well yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see who else they're able to attract into that tournament because obviously they've got the, the WBA super champion now and the WBA champion proper uh, in there it'll be interesting to see whether the likes of Callum Smith or even uh, James DeGale like Saul and the telling us uh, are going to come into this tournament as well they're telling us that all the champions are going to be in there so interesting to see how that one plays out but just coming back to Paul um, it, I, do you think he'll look back on the performance overall and kick himself do, do you think you know there was there was at, at one stage there I think it was like going into the ninth or the tenth and uh, I think Joe was telling him you know just just stay patient keep calm that the opportunity will come and you know and I was kind of thinking well you've got nine minutes of your basically your, yeah. your career at this level um, you've got nine minutes left to try and do something and I just kind of thought you know what just let them go, Paul, because you may as well get carried out and lose on points anyway. Just, just, well, just it. let them go. <clears throat> just, just, just take a chance now because you know he was a mile behind on the scorecards. Yes, he come on strong in that eleventh round, which he definitely won the eleventh round. But at no point did he hurt Zuga like he did in the third. I just think mm. he had to take a chance. Then he just had to roll that dice and to get to the end of the twelfth round. Obviously, the, the the knockdown that was scored in the twelfth was a joke. That was a slip. There was absolutely no yeah, no oh, knockdown never, there. Never. And, and Paul was upset about that, but he just kind of thought. Well, you're showing, he showed me a lot of passion when he was screaming at the referee going that wasn't a, that was a push that wasn't a knockdown and he was right but I thought well, where, where was that passion two rounds ago just go for it like you know you want to win this world title we all want you to win it Go for it. You're gonna you're gonna lose on points. I could see watching on TV. You're a mile behind. You're gonna lose on points. Just go for it, Paul. And for me, just at no point did he just go for it. And I think that's why looking back out of the three world title fights he's had, I think that this is the one he'll regret because he'll go, you know what? I should have just went for it with the, with the two or three rounds to go. I should have just gone hell for leather and just seen what happens. I think when you're fighting. Um a younger kid I mean this is just for me I mean I'm not a guy that plans boxing fights I'm not a trainer or anything like that but when you're fighting a younger guy I think it's I think it's a little bit <clears throat> um, of a dream that he's going to tire down the, down the backstage because he's supposed to be fresh at 25 mm. years of age if he yeah. can't last 12 rounds then why is he a, yeah. why is he a world champion in my opinion I think with kids like that and I've seen this a couple of times recently um you jump on him early, scare the living daylights out of him, you know, because he's, he's, he, it was his coming out fight. He's supposed to be the heir apparent to Arthur Abraham. Arthur Abraham's ringside. He's supposed to be in front of his German crowd. I'm the boy. I'm coming out. I'm going to have a little bit of a tippy-tappy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to showcase my talents. For me, get in there, smash him early doors. Yeah. Okay, that might be the rock, because you might walk onto one. You might walk onto one and you might get chinned. You might do that. Yeah. But for me, for, to hope that he's going to tire um, post eight rounds, I think it doesn't really work. It when I analyse boxing, it doesn't really work for me. That I think I'd rather. And again, 
I'm not a fighter, so therefore I can't really say this with any proper conviction because once I'm there, I don't know what I genuinely do. But as I analyse it, I look. I'd rather get knocked out. I'd rather go. I'd rather go there and chuck the kitchen sink at him yeah. and get chinned and 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 lose that way yeah. than a, attempting to play chess with him and and end up losing by not fully giving it everything that I've got. Because I, look, I, you 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 are right in what you say. The first fight against Abraham, Paul, those tactics worked for him. Yeah. He played chess with him. Um, and, he and won rounds. Him. He won rounds. He won rounds. Yeah. And for me, he won seven of, uh, of the rounds and therefore should have been crowned world champion. It didn't happen. Second time round, he used the same tactics and got beat yeah. um, on that night. He was, he was outclassed by Arthur Abraham. This time, he's come and used the same tactic again against a younger fighter. Because don't get me wrong, Arthur Abraham's an older guy. Mm-hmm. He's used the same tactics again against a younger lad and it's not worked out. Whereas if I think if he changes it up a little bit and goes, do you know something, we're going to jump on him. If we go, we go. Let's, get, let's jump on him early. But if he catches us, there's a chance he's going to catch us. He's a young kid with a bit of power. Yeah. If he catches us and I go over, fair enough. Yeah. All right? But at least I've had a do with it. At least and I've I think, rolled the dice, yeah. Yeah, and I think what, what you've just said there, as it does settles and he looks back at his career, one... I mean, he's achieved an awful amount. Unbelievable, sure yeah, unbelievable. I'm sure there's a little bit more, because when I was speaking to him, I know that his ambition is to obviously fight at uh, Anfield. Whatever level that's at, I'm sure he will turn up at Anfield uh, next year to uh, to have that commemorative moment without any shadow of a doubt, and that's yeah. a lovely way to go out. Yeah, I agree, um, yeah. But as he looks back at those world title fights, yeah, you are right. He will be very, very disappointed with this one, and he probably has a little bit of animosity, bitterness, I don't know, towards the first one because he should have been world champion. He should, yeah, I think he should have won that fight, but wasn't to be. No. One thing that I wanted at the end of that fight was uh, the same judge that was at the uh, Burnett fight because the, both, <laughs> lads were wearing, both lads were wearing black shorts. I thought to myself, if there's a mistaken identity situation here, we might be in here, sunshine. Yeah. We might be getting a world champion let's off the back of it. Let's hope Paul speaking German in there just to com- com- <laughs> confuse the judges. No, absolutely. And another thing as well, just before we move on to uh, uh, Stephen, uh, who is in action also on that card, um, can someone please send a copy of Sweet Caroline to uh, Kala Sauerland because <laughs> it doesn't seem like the Germans wanted any atmosphere. It's weird, like, isn't it? Very weird atmosphere yeah. watching a fight in Germany. I remember this, you know, from um, when Tyson Fury went over and fought Klitschko. I thought to myself, what a weird atmosphere for the yeah. heavyweight championship. And watching that at the weekend for the super middleweight championship, I thought, "What happens?" The, the only the only cheer when there's action, they don't do anything. They don't rev it up at the start. They no. don't cheer the fighter on. They don't do any of that, do they? It's weird. No, it's like uh, it's like no friends are allowed in there as well. Like the only people you could hear shouting during the round were like Paul Smith's fans. You know, I could I could hear I could hear Scouse accents. Hear yeah, I yeah, could yeah. hear Scouse accents. Get in, in Paul. Get in, Paul lads. Get in, lads. I could hear the uh, I could hear the rotunda coach who was like a, a you know a, a really close family friend to all the Smith brothers. A lad called Cracker, and Cracker, I could hear Cracker's voice over everything, screaming at Paul, "Go for it, Paul! Let them go, lad! Let them go!" But uh, yeah, it's crazy. The German crowd, no sound at all. It's similar to the Japanese crowd as well. You know, the Japanese whenever they watch yeah. uh, certainly I'm a May, but boxing as well. You, know, you don't get anything except a warm applause at the end of each round. I, I don't know how they control themselves. I get to it. I'm screaming at the telly at home. Mm, um, I'm sure the uh, the opponent that Stephen Smith got to fight as well got a, a standing ovation off the back of uh, his performance. What Goodness was that? I mean, fair, fair enough. Stephen maybe needs to blow a little bit of rust off, stay a little bit active because um, I think it's tomorrow that uh, they're all out to Ibiza for his stag do. He's getting yeah. wedding in. Congratulations to him. That'll be absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Exciting time for Stephen. Uh, he's missing his kids. 
Um, but at the weekend, come on, Stephen Smith was an elite amateur. The guy's been in with world champions. Two world, ti- two world title fights. Yeah, had. man. What the dude? Why is he fighting this geezer for? That's no. like fighting me. That was like fighting me at the weekend. Yeah, it was. And that that Galovich, to be honest, you know, I've. I've Subsequently found out on BoxRec that he's actually had 12 fights, apparently. Uh, but mm. prior to the fight, I couldn't find anything. So we were led to believe, even Stephen had said, I can't find anything on this guy. Not, I can't even find his record. So mm. on the night, it was like, it sounded like he was making his pro debut. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, what is the matchmaker doing? Putting a mm. two-time world title challenger in with a guy making his pro debut. And he fought like he was making his pro debut. Soon as Stephen touched him once to the body. The guy nearly passed out, uh, and obviously he struggled <laughs> back to his feet. And then Stephen, doing his job, just went, okay, then, well, you can have another one to the belly, and that's the end of this. I th- mm. To be honest, I think the young lad's probably still rolling around on that canvas now, clutching onto his ribs. But mm. I kind of felt sorry for him, because I was thinking, the matchmaker's done you no favours here, son, because, you know, Stephen Smith's absolutely the real deal. But you can't knock Stephen. All, Steve- all Stephen's job is to do is to get rid of the man that they put in front of him. And if the Sowlands or the matchmaker have made the mistake of picking this guy, well, you know, it's that guy's management team that needs to complain but uh, you certainly I don't think Stephen Smith's had an easier fight throughout his entire 27 fight pro career than that one didn't need a shower either which is always a bonus just yeah. to get changed straight on <laughs> the plane changed. straight on the plane that's to Ibiza that's it job done uh, we wish you all the best with your stag do hopefully uh, the boys will come in and share a few stories from that if they're allowed yeah. and we're allowed to stick them on the and regular And we course. want Paul to stick around, don't we? I know you know, he's probably under a little bit of pressure now, but we want him to stick around. We want to see him fight at Anfield last summer. I'd of love to see him brilliant. sign off with, a, with, a, with a, a farewell performance at Anfield and then maybe, you know, a little bit of a wave to the home crowd and get and get a nice reception because he's come, on to, he's come off for a lot of flack this last week and, in my opinion... M- all of it is completely undeserved. You know, whether you're whether you're the world's biggest Paul Smith fan or, or he's just not your cup of tea, you can't knock the fight the fact that he took a world title fight because opportunity knocked and he went out there and he done what a lot of people want, and that's travel to Germany and fought for the world title. So good no, on him. Absolutely. Fair play to him. Um speaking of Liverpool boxers that have uh, picking up accolades, none greater than when you get uh, touched by the Queen. That sounded a little bit wrong, I apologise for <laughs> it that. Did, yeah. But you, but you know what I'm alluding to. John Conte getting an MBE. We're talking about it next on Radio City Talk. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, we don't sadly have um, any music that could troop the colour or... Uh, I suppose we could play God Save the Queen. We could play the National Anthem, Nick, couldn't we? You know what I mean? Seeing as well, that, uh, we are, if we're gonna we are play celebrating that, John Conte. If we're going to play that, I've got to stand up and, and, and hold on to my chest. You know that. You know I'm a big royalist, so... <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, please subscribe to our podcast, bikedisciples.com. Uh, there's a picture up there of Nick in his tap-out shorts wearing a tuxedo <laughs> top with his bulldog um, at the... Uh, what was it? Was it the wedding? It was the, the wedding, yeah. No, it was the wedding, yeah. Kate and William's wedding. They had a street party, didn't you, to celebrate Kate and William's wedding. And sure you were did. proper get right in there with the old national uh, national patriotism. Good to see, my friend. Um, and one man that um, is uh, being commemorated by the Queen, John Comsey. This is brilliant. I think this is great. I love it when boxers get commemorated um, for their services to the sport and various things that they've done to their city. Yeah. Um, NBE, CBEs, OBEs, knighthoods, all this type of stuff. I absolutely adore it. And to be fair, John Comsey for Liverpool boxing, he... Well, well he's the number one. He's taking so long. He's the yeah, number I'm one. Yeah. It's taking so long to, to get to this stage. It is, yeah. It's kind of weird that it came around now. You know, uh, I actually I actually found out 24 hours before the rest of the world because uh, a good mate of mine, Mark Staniforth, who writes all the boxing for Press Association, 
uh, they'd obviously been given a little bit of a heads up because Mark rang me out of the blue and was like, hey, you haven't got a number for John Conti by any chance, have you? And I was like, yes. Uh, you're going to have to tell me why, though. Uh, so I, I shared that information with him uh, after John obviously uh, signed that off and allowed me to, but I found out 24 hours earlier that he was going to get an MBA. And it's never been more deserved because, listen, what he did for not just Merseyside boxing as well, you've got to remember that, you know, when he was at his pomp, you know, in the early 70s when, when he won that WBC title down at Empire Pool in London, he was based out of London, but obviously he was an absolute yeah. hero up here on Merseyside. He was... British boxing. He was like the Anthony Joshua of the early 70s. You know, he looked the part. I remember Muhammad Ali came over one time and they met each other and Muhammad Ali was referencing how good looking he was and all this kind of stuff. And he, and he, and he truly was. He was like the British version of Muhammad Ali in the early 70s. He was boxing. It really didn't get any bigger than John Conti and uh, obviously the most accomplished boxer Merseyside's ever produced. Um Phenomenal, uh, you know, and he's the best thing about it as well. He's an absolute diamond of a guy. He uh, he settled down in London when his, his career was down there, but uh, you know he, he does tons of work for charity now, and uh, you know he, he sporadically comes back to Merseyside for big events. Like he's a massive, he's got, he's got a bit of a mentor thing going on with with Tony Bellew, who I know absolutely adores him. Uh, and, and you know it's great to see that he's given back. But it's just nice that he, he's not been forgotten. You know his his career and what he's done for the sport has not been forgotten. That's why I like things like these MBEs. It recognises two icons of sport. No, absolutely. And uh, as you've rightly said, uh, not just for Liverpool. I know that we're obviously this is a Liverpool boxing show that we do here on Tuesday nights, uh, but it's not just for Liverpool boxing. It's for boxing in general because we, there's there's not a bad rap, but a lot of people have diverse views, I suppose, on this sport. Some people think that it's good, some people think it's bad. Obviously, we've got this uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight going on at this moment in time where people are slagging this off, slagging that off. So it's nice to report some nice news, just mm-hmm. so, just to turn around and say, look at this guy. You know, it, it, For me, it validates boxing a little bit when yeah. it's recognised on that scale, when it's recognised by the Queen and, uh, and the Royals, when they say, listen, this guy did wonders for this particular sport, not just for the city, but for this particular sport, there's an NBA in. That's what you want at the end of the day, isn't it? For me as a fan, I look at that and go, hey, yeah, we're, we're on the playing field, you know what I mean? We're not this, this taboo subject, we're proper. Yeah. Oh, listen, Tanya... Boxing, I'd argue boxing has, has been one of the sports that has taken more kids from deprived areas and put them in the right direction than anything else. You know, boxing gyms, there's a reason why boxing gyms in working class cities up and down the country are also community centres. They're the cultural hub of these communities because the boxing gyms are what keeps the kids off the streets, what gives them direction, what teaches them about nutrition and teaches them how to respect uh, other men basically and, and I think mm. at, during this time in the 70s just like Anthony Joshua or Tony Bell you were doing now John Conte was an inspiration to kids up and down the country they all wanted to be like him and walk like him and, and move like him and punch like him and and uh, you know there's an entire generation that he inspired and just one of those generation even though he was born probably just after Conte's peak was was Mr. Tony Bellew, and, and Tony Bellew has been inspired by that uh, the fact that somebody from his city, from his neighbourhood, who grew up just like him, went on and conquered the world and became WBC champion. And to this day, Tony Bellew maintains John Conte remains one of his biggest inspirations, and it's incredible mm. that he got to follow in his footsteps. No, congratulations, John Conte. Absolutely sensational. Enjoy the day, my friend, and I hope... Uh... Uh, the family enjoy it as well because that is some achievement. Forget world titles and things like that. To be commemorated in that way for me, 
piece of resistance. Well done, my friend. Um, you mentioned Bellew quite a few times there with uh, Conte being his uh, inspiration. Uh, I'm sure Bellew is now the inspiration for quite a lot of uh, fighters uh, in the game because he's kind of started the merry-go-round of wanting to step up in weight for that major payday, my boy. Mm -hmm. He started it against Hay. He's talking now about the big boys becoming the heavyweight uh, champion of the world. Um, and there's another kid at the weekend who uh, got himself a victory, of which we will talk about on tomorrow's show. Fightdisciples.com. Subscribe there. Episode 111 discusses... Um, Andre Ward versus Sergei Kovalev. I'm referring to Ward in this particular thing because at the end of that fight, he gets the victory. Whose name do they start mentioning? Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Anthony Joshua. Now, let's not let, let, listen. We're talking about a guy, Andre Ward, that was fighting at 168 pounds. That's 12 stone. He and at the weekend he was fighting at 12 eight in the light heavyweight division. We're talking about a geezer in Anthony Joshua who weighed in at 240 pounds against uh, your man Klitschko. You know, so there's, there's a little bit of a, a weight disparity there. One, here's my question for you, because we've seen it happen before. We know that the heavyweight division is the glamour division. Mm -hmm. We know that that's where the money is at. Yeah. Are you surprised that the likes of elite boxers like Andre Ward are going, licking their lips and thinking to themselves, well, hang on a minute, I fancy a bit of that pie. Let's get up there. Let's get up there and see what we can do. We've seen Roy Jones do it before, haven't we? Yeah, of course, yeah. And listen, he's he's done exactly what Tony Bellew did when he conquered the cruiserweight division. He's looked around he's looked at the cruiserweight division as it stands, i.e. minus Tony Bellew, the only big name in the cruiserweight division that can attract pay-per-view money. And he's looked at Dan and thought, well, there's no one there, so I may as well skip cruiserweight and go straight to heavyweight because that's where the big bucks are. You know, Andre Ward's proved himself the best super middleweight on the planet. He's now proved himself you know, regardless of how you think that fight went on Saturday, he's beat the guy twice. So he's now proved himself the best light heavyweight on the planet. There's no point proving yourself the best cruiserweight because there's no money to be made there. So it makes perfect sense for him to jump to heavyweight. But it's just, it's a long way to go for the guy of his stature when you look at the guys who have actually got the belts in that weight class because they're all big, big heavyweights. One thing that I will say, which, which wets my whistle a little bit and people listening to this show might get a little excited about it. Okay. John Ruiz is not Anthony Joshua, all right? That's what I will say straight away. John Ruiz is the guy that Roy Jones Jr. beat to become heavyweight champion of the world. Yep. Roy Jones, for that fight, weighed in at £199, mm -hmm. less than cruiserweight, mate. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Let's get it on. It can happen. It can, it can definitely listen, happen. And if we're honest, if we're honest, Nick, if we're honest, Anthony Joshua is the money fight. Of course it is. That's the money. Yeah. But if he, want, if he wants the glory of becoming the heavyweight champion of the world, for me, Andre Ward would beat Deontay Wilder Andre yeah. Ward would beat um, Joe, Parker. Joe Parker. So it's there. If he wants it, it's there. Yeah, it is. But uh, unfortunately, to, you know, we've just skated over it then. For me, the big fight out there would be for Tony Bellew to go back to Cruiserweight and to fight him at Cruiserweight. That would be a great fight. Tony Bellew, Roy Jones. Uh, sorry, Andre I'm getting, getting carried yeah, Andre Easy. Ward. That, that would be unbelievable. For the Cruiserweights, exactly. I think it's a Can phenomenal we do that in fight. Liverpool? Can please. we do that in Liverpool? Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> my, my back garden's available. <laughs> I think we might need something bigger than a back garden when them two get together, mate. That should be uh, that should be unbelievable. So, listen, speaking of venues bigger than a back garden, Prenton Park in August, September. Oh, you've got some exclusive for us, haven't you? Go on, yeah. son. You've got some news on us. Go so on. So I had a little catch-up with uh, Steve Wood, uh, Masha Dodds promoter. Obviously, there's there's been talk around the city about Masha fighting Derry Matthews. There's a little bit of needle gone on on social media. I'm now hearing that the British Boxing Border Control are going to be on 
in Merseyside over at Prenton Park on the Wirral. Uh, they're going to be here at the back end of this week. They're going to be checking the venue, signing the ve- looking to sign the venue off. If that happens before the end of this week, there could be an announcement as early as next week in terms of when the fight is happening and potential undercard. Now, at the moment, Derry is on the maybe list. But apparently you need to know if Derry's actually serious about the fight because there's talk that he may not be serious. But I do know that Steve Brogan is definitely in the frame as well. Steve Brogan, of course, fights for the English title. But he's from Skelmersdale, so it'll be a little bit of an all-Wirral kind of, all-Merseyside or greater Merseyside battle should that happen. But Steve Brogan is in the frame. Derry Matthews is definitely not off the agenda, but first we're waiting for the board to sign off Prenton Park this week and we could have a date. Derry, come on. I know you listen to the show. You have us on in the gym. One more ride out, sunshine. We fancy a lad's day out, and I just want to listen to Destiny in full one more time, if that's <laughs> yeah. all right, pal. Let's do it. Let's get over to Birkenhead and let's have a bit of a crack. Sean's a top fella. Masha Dodd's a great fella. You're a great fella. I mean, that would be unbelievable for Merseyside boxing, wouldn't it? It'd be a big loving, wouldn't it, let's be honest. There'd be a bit of needle just to build it up, but listen, that doesn't need needle. Both, of the, both guys are massive ticket sellers. I know it's a massive opportunity for Steve Brogan, should it happen for him, but this city wants to see Masha versus Derry. More than anything, because we want to see, whatever happens on the fight, we want to see them hit the bar afterwards and we'll all have a few beers. <laughs> With all the fans. That's what they should do. The, 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 the ring should fold into a bar and then it should just turn into a nightclub. That's it. Uh, that'll be some type of party some type of festival anyway off the back of it uh, listen just before we clear off you wanted to uh, talk about Sam Maxwell because he was in action uh, we yeah, missed Super him the, Sam. In, the fir- in the first part of the show didn't we yeah Super Sam quickly let's just make a, a, a nod our cap again Super Sam moved to 3-0 and over in uh, over in Ireland on that Quigley uh, uh, Carroll undercard he looks sensational and he stopped a Bulgarian guy that's only ever been stopped once before and he was stopped by a light heavyweight bear in mind that Super Sam is just a super a super lightweight. So massive future for this guy. The city needs to get behind them. Sam Maxwell is the real deal. There you go. Um, now, there's two more shows coming for you this week, absolutely free. Uh, fightdisciples.com is the website. Please go there, subscribe. Uh, you can get us on iTunes as well. All you've got to do is uh, search out Fight Disciples. Tomorrow, episode 111 of our award-winning podcast will go through Ward Kovalev in full. I'm sure we've got a little bit of uh, passionate views, and I'm sure you have as well, and you'll want to contribute towards that show. And then on Thursday, of course, uh, we touch upon the world of UFC, where sadly, me and Nick are going to have to eat some serious humble pie on Thursday's show, as, well, I say it, me and Nick, me mainly, uh, because last week I categorically said on Thursday's show that August will not be happening. It won't happen. Mayweather, McGregor won't happen in August, expect it later on in the year. What happens six hours later, they then go and announce August I think you did say, I guarantee it won't happen. I think, all right, Nick, all right, okay. (laughs) Um, So Thursday will just be basically me eating humble pie while you all take the mick out of me uh, for telling you something's not going to happen and then six hours later it is actually happening. And of course we'll speak about uh, that. We're going to do a series of shows as well. Looking at the pros and cons of Mayweather, McGregor, the money fight. Everybody's talking about it. That's a pro. Let's just leave it there, shall we? Everybody's talking about it. Anyway, that's coming up on Thursday, episode 112 of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening to us tonight. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.